0: I'm gonna pray for us one more time as we get into this word. Father God, as we look at this next, uh, the next thing in this series, we're, we're looking at the false gods all around us and we talked about how everybody's religious, how we all are wired to worship. We're all inclined to bow down to things. And we talked about last week how we idolize, our family, how we get entangled and enmeshed in them. We don't know where we begin, where they end, where we end, where they begin. And Lord, we need your help. We need your help to put you before everything else so that we can actually love our family. And it's the same tonight, Lord. We pray that we would have a right relationship with ourselves as we look at the false God of self, We pray, Father, that we would be willing to hear what you have to say to us when every single day we're gonna read like 20 messages on Facebook that scream at us and tell us to love ourselves, to put ourselves first. Every commercial we hear telling us to treat ourselves. Lord, break into all of that noise and help us to hear from you tonight. Amen. 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 All right. Let's read from James 4, verses 13 to 17 for our text tonight. And by the way, we have these red Bibles in the back, and we're reading from this translation. It's a, it's a good translation. It's a newer translation. If you don't have a Bible in your home or you don't have a Bible in your home that is easy for you to read, You do now, because we're going to make you take one (laughs) home with you, okay? Because everybody should have a Bible in their home. But you can just follow along with me. I'm going to, the words will be right on the screen behind me. James 4, 13 to 17. Now listen, you say today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city spend a year there, carry on my business, carry on business, make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes. All such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is a sin for them. It's the word of the Lord. Listen, did you, hear, did you catch that last part? If anybody doesn't do what they know they ought to do, it's still a sin, so it's not just like going out and doing crazy stuff, right? It's you know you're supposed to love somebody, you know you're supposed to show up for somebody, you know you're supposed to pray, you know you're supposed to whatever, fill in the blank. If you don't do that, that's a sin still. It's called the sin of omission. But there are, there are two ways to look at this life, right? And I, I talked to you in the beginning that the reason that we started doing this series on false gods is I was getting a slice over at Jacqueline's and I look over to my left and what do you see? You see uh, uh, that, that dollar bill sign, right, over at the pizzeria. Who's in the middle of it? Tony Montana, right? And then on the top of it says, who do I trust? What does it say? at the bottom. Well, the dollar bill says, in God we trust. What does is, what is the Scarface version say? Who do I trust in? I trust in me. <laughs> I trust in me. I was looking at that, and it's funny, and like everybody knows that movie and all that stuff, and he's got a big cigar hanging out his mouth and, and whatever, but I was thinking about it a little more, and it's like, yeah, we have all the time, we're bombarded with messages. We're bombarded with messages to put things in our lives as the place that we put all of our hope in for meaning and happiness and trust. And we talked about how an idol is putting anything in your life, in the spot that if you were to lose it, your life would be ruined your life would be wrecked that you put all your hope for happiness in it. And that's, that definitely can be family, right? We talked about that last week that you put all of your hope in your family, in your spouse, in your kids. And when they're doing well, you feel great. And when they're drowning, you are like drowning with them. We talked about how hard it is to love somebody when you're that enmeshed with them, when you're that entangled with them, when you have not put God in the very first spot in your life to be literally sitting on the throne of your very soul it is difficult to really love people because it's like, I'm loving you, I'm trying, but I'm also doing all this stuff because as you're drowning, if I don't resuscitate you, if I don't turn you around, I'm destroyed. And people are suffocated by that kind of love. Like when we love people like that, when we'll drown, if they don't turn around, they know it. They see it from far away. So there are two ways to look at this life. And I was talking about the Tony Montana, the Scarface way where you say, I trust in me. Or it's the James way, the brother of Jesus way, right? The way where he just bluntly says, who are you? What is your life? You are a mist. You are a mist. We got a lot of young guys in our church that vape and i ain't going to tell you how i feel about that <laughs> cuz i do a lot of things that aren't super healthy for my body, right? But but when they vape, right? What comes out, it's not it's not like smoke, is it? it doesn't linger. You know, it's out there. You get all that that cloud, that mist, right? And that's what this that's what that, that that is what James is saying here not saying the fog that stays out in the morning that just sort of lingers there he's talking about the mist from the tea kettle that is there and as soon as you turn it off it goes away he's saying that's your life it's here for a second and then it's gone what is your life and i just want to talk to you about the foolishness and the, and the idolatry of self, when we make plans, I know many of you, especially if you're older, you know this. You make plans in your life, and then God just laughs at you. Right? It's like you want to do something a certain way, and you try to set up all your ducks in a row, and life just is like a toddler come in over to one of those towers of bricks, just comes and kicks it down. (laughs) And you're like, okay, I wasn't supposed to build that. (laughs) That's not where I was supposed to go. I wasn't supposed to keep that job. That relationship blew up that I thought was great. (laughs) And my life just doesn't turn out the way I thought. Pride, Pride is a symptom of placing yourself before God. So the idolatry is actually what you're doing is you are putting yourself before the one who made the universe. How insane is that? How insane is that? Now, sometimes our story is like Joseph. Sometimes, there's a character in the Bible named Joseph. He suffered his whole life, right? He suffered his whole life and uh, he, when he was a little kid, his brothers beat him, dropped him in a pit, sold him as a slave. And then what ended up happening with Joseph? He got promoted. I mean, after decades of being forgotten in prison and being falsely accused of rape and all kinds of stuff, after a while, Joseph ascends to one of the highest positions in Egypt and God gives him a dream and he ends up saving seven years of food because a famine is coming. And then all of his brothers come over from Israel. They go over the the Sinai and they come into Egypt And he's looking at his brothers and they're there because they would starve without him and without Egypt's food. And he looks at them and he says, what you meant for evil, what you did to me when I was a little kid, God meant it for good. Like that's an amazingly complicated thing. But the stuff that's happened to you, the people who did it to you, they are culpable they're responsible for the things they've done to you. And at the same time, God can redeem all of it. And we've had multiple people share their stories in the last few months. And they talked about all the trials they've been through. David talked about being healed from multiple sclerosis, which doesn't happen. We heard from Irish talking about the relationships she had, the times she struggled with being on the streets, all that stuff. We had, we had uh, Johanny talking about how he was on the streets and selling drugs and all this stuff. Right? They, 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 they told these stories. We recorded and they're up. <laughs> I ain't telling their business. <laughs> but what, I'm, what am I trying to say? All the stuff that they went through and the stuff that happened to them. It's not. It, it's not like everything that they went through is all of a sudden good it's not like the wounds all of a sudden are just disappear but God uses our scars you hear me God used he can redeem the things that happen in our lives for his purpose and um you know <laughs> So you see that sometimes. Sometimes you get a little sneak peek. Like Joseph, he got to see like, oh, I was abandoned. I was left for dead. But now I'm basically the vice president of Egypt and I get to be used by God. But you know what? A lot of times in our life, our story is more like Job And Job asks God, why are you letting all this stuff happen to me? I was righteous. And you know what? Job was righteous. The Bible says he was righteous. But you know what Job gets? He doesn't get an answer. But instead, God shows up in his backyard, and shows up in his power, and instead of giving Job an answer for why he lost his wife, why he lost his kids, why he lost all of his riches, and God spoke to him and said, instead of giving him an answer, he's questioning Job, were you there when I made the world? Were you there? When I set out the measurements of like the depths of the mountains and the footholds, were you the, can you see in the sky where I keep all the snow? Do you see the deer giving birth on the hill where nobody sees? Like God sees it all and he made it all. And sometimes we go through stuff and we don't get to just tie a nice little bow tie on it. We don't get to just say, this is the lesson that I learned from God. No, sometimes it's like, my life just fell apart. And I don't know why. But I'll be faithful. I'm not going to fall apart. I'm not going to allow that to destroy me. I'm going to put one foot in front of the other. See, the thing is, is that Job needed a lesson in humility. We all do. And learning humility is very tricky. Um, Just in this chapter that we read in James, uh, just six verses up, uh, verse 10, it says, humble yourself before the Lord and he will lift you up. When I was a new Christian, I was about 16 years old, this verse rocked me. Like it rocked me. To the core, because what I realized is that it was not my job to lift myself up. Like every message you hear out there, every message you hear on the radio, on TV, um, go on Facebook. The probably out of fifty posts, thirty of them are going to be saying this message in one way or the other. It's going to be saying it's your job to make yourself happy. Don't look for happiness anywhere else. But this verse says, humble yourself, put yourself low. Not just to like beat up yourself. It says, he will lift you up. In the Psalms it says, God is our shield, he's our glory, and he's the lifter of our heads. With his very hand, he puts it on your face, he lifts up your head. The thing about the economy uh, it's, it, it, with God is completely different than anything else. The lower you go, the more you grow. We need to let God shine a light in the darkest, deepest places in our life. We need to let the grace of God, like water, go down to the deepest roots and give its life-giving water down to the spots that we don't want anybody to see. And it's our job to humble ourselves. But you can't do that if you don't have trust that God's going to lift you up, right? Like I'm not gonna just expose myself to God. I'm not gonna just humble myself and put other people in front of me. If I don't know on the other side of that, that God actually is gonna heal me, that at some point God is actually gonna lift me up, that he's gonna pick me up, he's gonna love me, he's gonna take care of me, and you can't be humble without trust. If you don't have trust, You're gonna go back to the Tony Montana way of thinking, I trust in me. You're not gonna be like James where you're like, I'm not gonna say I'm gonna do this tomorrow and this next week and this next year. I'm gonna say if it's God's will, I live in God's will. Whatever he wants, whatever he lets happen, it's gonna happen. I mean, one of the hard things about growing humility is that nobody knows how to do this. Nobody knows how to, it's not like the other virtues. It's not like other skills in your life. Let me give you an example. We could say like, hey, Dylan's really good on guitar. He could say that. I can play guitar. I can do inversions and all this stuff and whatever he can do. I don't know. You know what I mean? You could say, I really like, I'm a good fly fisher. You know, I know how to do that. You could say, I'm a good leader. I'm a good whatever. But at the moment you say, you know what? You want to know something about me? I am super humble. (laughs) That don't work, right? Like the moment you're like, you want to know something really like that's really true about me? I am really, really humble. I'm really good at being humble. That doesn't work. (laughs) And it's, it's, it's like, how do you pursue it? So I just want to give you a, a few ideas of how we can pursue being humble. You you know, if you're like the type of person that likes to write things down, you can write them down. I'll post them on the uh, on the uh, prayer group um, and you can get them from me if you're not on that. All right, so I got some of these, some of these to give credit. I got from a preacher named Matt Chandler. He's a really good preacher. You want to like, listen to somebody that help you, be positive, help you, lean into God, that would be a good, that would be one good. There's many good preachers out there. But the first one, how to be humble, how to grow in humility, the first one's understanding your weaknesses. Like you don't have to be everything. In 2001, On the West Coast, the Lakers were dominating basketball, right? For years. And there was no response on the East Coast. And it was like, oh my gosh, all of what was happening in the NBA was happening outside of this area. And then in 2001, and for a few years before that, you know, we had a guy. We had the answer. His name was Allen Iverson he could put like ridiculous amount of buckets up. Like I'm talking, I've watched those games. I remember watching those games and seeing a guy do 50, 60 points. Like there was games where entire teams weren't putting up those kind of points. But in the game of spirituality, in the game of life, in the game of church, it's not like basketball. There's no one who can be the answer. We cannot be good at everything. And part of humility is realizing that we have weaknesses and actually be able to say and articulate and talk about our weaknesses. Another thing is, as a church collectively in Gloucester City, we are not the answer for Gloucester City. (laughs) Do you hear me? There's all kinds of churches, organizations, all kinds of stuff going on. We are not the answer. We need to know our weaknesses. We need to know what God is doing. Now, don't get me wrong. God is doing something at Epiphany that I think for a lot of people that haven't seen in a while, God is doing something. We can can be excited about what he's doing. We can be excited about people who would never be in church. We can be excited about people who are leaning in and learning about Jesus and their lives are changing and they're being transformed. We can be excited about all of that. And yet we need to be humble and not act like, okay, individually or as a church we're the answer, because we're not. Second thing. Remember, God is in the business of using weak, broken, and messy people. Amen? That's what he does. And this is not a small point. God gets glory by using people who need him. Our motto here at Epiphany, building bridges for the glory of God and the good of our neighbors. But there's like this anti-motto that's just wired deep in us. Like, we want to sometimes burn bridges for the glory of ourself and for no good to our neighbors. I want to pick on that this thing that I've just I've just noticed. Um, a lot of people, this is how they use their person their online persona. They'll say, they'll, they'll post up Monday Tuesday, Wednesday, a different picture, and the message is the same, this is me being so happy that I cut out toxic people from my life, this is me, I'm just so happy, I cut out all the bad people from my life, and now I'm so happy, and I'm doing so well, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, every post is, I am so freaking lonely, Nobody wants a crazy person like me. (laughs) I'm so sad and broken. (laughs) Now, do you see the connection between the two? (laughs) Because if you're looking at it from a little bit of a distance, there's a direct connection (laughs) between those two things. You cutting out all the toxic people from your life and you being super, super lonely. To be humble, we need to look at people around us and we can say, yeah, they have weaknesses, but we're not experts on their weaknesses. We're not experts on their toxicity. We've got to be experts about our own toxicness. We've we got to be very familiar with our own ways we're messed up and hurting. Number three, stay hungry to learn. One of my favorite TV shows is Cheers. A lot of younger people here. I don't know if they probably don't even know what that show is, but <laughs> Cheers. Nah, Dylan don't know it. Listen, like you got to be hungry. You got to be curious. You got to be interested in learning new things. Every group, like, like Cheers is this bar and they like every bar has the bar know-it-all. You know, we don't have the church where we have the know-it-all, right? And and who's the bar know it all in cheers? His name is Cliff Claven. <laughs> right? Cliff Claven. What is one of the things he, he, he always says, well, it's it's a little known fact, or it's a well-known fact, and he says, it's a it's a little known fact. See, many scientists believe that the little finger, that is the pink, the la gueule de main, will one day be like your tail, disappear, because you know it serves no purpose. And you're just like like we all know that person. We all know that person. Um, a couple of guys could be up here. I, I grew up grabbing my own bait on the banks. there were like these specific spots we went fishing. Um, you know I was into spin fishing and this kind of stuff and I, like very specific things that I knew about fishing. but I'm lost. you put me on the ocean. You put me out on this the, the, the bay or this the Delaware River. I don't know what I'm doing. But say we are all like some some folks are up here talking about fishing and uh, Matt just to pick on him because it's fun he comes up and he's like it's all on the wrist. It's all on the wrist see <laughs> right <laughs> Now listen listen what I'm trying to say is we don't have to be experts in everything. we can be humble. We, you know, I think everybody has somebody in their family, and maybe you kind of have struggled with this yourself, where it's like you embellish stories. You tell stories from 10 years ago, and you make them a little more funny. You make them a little more crazy than, than they really were. And humility says this the stories you have, the things you know, they're good enough. Like, you're enough. We don't have to be a community that pretends nobody has weaknesses. When we get together, we can be really straight with each other. You know, the ladies got together, you can get really really straight. This one's withdrawn. This one doesn't stop talking. This one does whatever, X, Y, Z, right? And people always tell me, people, I, when we're talking about anybody in the community, I'm not the type of person that's like, hey, you know, like pretend everybody's perfect and don't mention anybody's weaknesses. But well, what I say is, yeah, they're like that. And, and you know this if you talk to me about anybody. And, and we love them. Yeah. And we love them. Just, you know what I'm saying? We love them. People get on our nerves, but we love them. Practice, number four, practice recognizing the gifts of others. Practice recognizing. So it's not enough to know your own weaknesses. You need to practice recognizing gifts in others. So this is a good reason to come to church. We're we're, we're streaming live, but there's something different about being here, amen? There's something different about being here. When you show up to church and not just do your own spirituality one thing that happens is, Lord willing, you don't become an expert on the faults of others. The point is is to become an expert on the strengths of others. And you come in here and you exercise that muscle which may be you haven't exercised enough where you look at somebody and you see somebody serving and you tell them, thank you. You see somebody making some progress in their life and you tell them, praise God, look what you're doing. But you can't do that if you don't know them. You can't do that if you don't ever come. You can't do that if you're not having meals together. You can't do that if you don't know each other. This is what we wanna do. We wanna be a family that gets together and knows each other well enough to be able to spur each other on, to be able to tell each other, you're doing a good job, keep moving. Number five. Aim low enough. I know that one f- sounds really funny. But for humility, when you're trying to change and you're trying to make progress in your life, you need to aim lower. You need to aim lower. This is our problem. We have all these motives that are all messed up and they need to be checked. What are you trying to do by changing? What are you trying to do by like coming to church? I'm like, I'm going to come to church. I'm going to try this. I'm going to come to church. I'm going to try to get my life right. What are you really trying to do? You need to have your motivations laid bare before God. Do you think, do you think that you will become a saint in a day when you spent decades living certain patterns, <laughs> digging certain trenches, and the water just keeps running that way <laughs> over and over again. You're married, you like you always have the same fight. You always have the same way of relating. You got kids, you always kind of have this. Do you think in one day it's just going to all, it's just all going to change? You need to aim lower. To have real humility, you need to have patience with yourself. You need to pick things that are very specific and very measurable and very doable. They have to be all three because you could have a specific measurable thing like I would really like to pray with my kids every single day for an hour (laughs) right and it's like okay well how have you been doing praying with your kids we never pray with our kids ever we barely eat meals together okay okay (laughs) so maybe back it up it is measurable you said an hour it's specific and all that stuff but it's not doable for you back it up What if your kids grew up remembering that you started the week and you laid your hands on them and you just prayed for them that they'd have a good week at school and that you asked them how they're doing and you just prayed for them for a couple minutes? Say you got all kinds of debt in your life all kinds of things. You got misdemeanor fines, you you know, your checks are just being taken, siphoned off, like tax rebates. What's that? You know what I mean? Somebody gets that before I do and you kind of act like you're helpless and there's nothing you can do. No. No. Stop talking about when I get my whole paycheck, I'm going to put it on this one bill. Stop talking like that. It's never going to happen. There's always going to be a crisis. There's always going to be something that comes up. You're never going to get ahead one week or a month or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? You take maybe some of those bills you can't do anything about, but take one of them and you start working on it. Aim lower. Aim lower in your life. And lastly, keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Jesus said, blessed are the poor. He said, blessed are the meek. Blessed are those who mourn. Do you feel beat up? Guess what? Do you feel like you're last sometimes? Do you feel like you're on the Z team? (laughs) God's A team is our Z team. (laughs) Like I didn't say D, I said Z, (laughs) last. Jesus said that the blind would see and those who think they see already would be blind. So if you can see your need, if you can see I'm in need of Jesus, that is the key, that is the doorway to humility, to say, I need something outside myself. I needed Jesus. And here's the thing that you need to remember. There are two things you need to hold in balance. And the first one is that you are beloved. You're loved, you're loved. Jesus went to the darkest, nastiest pawn shop, right? And he gave a high, high price to get you off that shelf. You were a broken thing sitting in a pawn shop, in Satan's pawn shop, and Jesus laid down his life for you. That's the gospel. That's not some weird Joe Marlin stuff. That is the gospel, that Jesus died in your place. So you are loved You are beloved by God, but the other thing you need to remember is that you are not in the center. You you are not the sun and then the Father and Holy Spirit rotate around you and the church and all these other things, right? You're like, you were like a rogue asteroid. You know what they call stars and planets that don't go around anything? They call them demon planets. They're dark, they have no light, they're not in any solar system, they're just going on their way. And that was you and you got caught up. If you're leaning into Jesus, you're getting caught up into the gravity of God's love and you're not the center. It's not all about you. You're beloved, but it's not all about you. And we need to, to be humble. We need to keep both of those things in balance that we just get to be in that asteroid belt. We just get to be with God's people. We get to be with a bunch of other folks who were rogue, a bunch of other folks who were flying off in every direction, and now we're together in his family. We've been purchased by Jesus, his death and his resurrection. Let me pray for us as we come to his table. Father God, I thank you so much for every single person here and thank you God for your word. Lord, I pray that you would grow in us humility. Lord, I pray that we wouldn't be sucked in, sucked into the false god of ourselves. But Lord, there's so much that could be said about that. There's so many directions we only we barely scratched the surface of that. But I pray that every single person here and those who were watching on live, Lord, I just pray, I pray that you would. You just speak to us now. I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.